Hey, funny people. Thanks for joining me here on this episode of Four Cents of Podcast. We're going to have some fun because I've got something to talk about. So stay tuned. Hello, funny people. Welcome once again to Four Cents a Podcast. I am your host, Ian Martinez Kassmeyer, and this is the Weekly Waffle here on Four Cents. Um, one of the things, there's a couple of things I wanted to talk to you all about um, before uh, we get into the main heart of the show today. Number one, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about a book. Um, those of you who listened to the Reader's Corner earlier this week where I read Octavia Butler's Speech, so- uh, speech Sounds, excuse me, her short story, um, I actually read it uh, f- uh, from a wonderful anthology that a college friend of mine named Erica recommended to me many, many, many years ago, and I just want to talk to you about it very briefly. It's called The Wesleyan Anthology of Science Fiction. It's... Um, wonderful little starter place starter set if you want to get into science fiction because I mean the marvelous thing about this book it's done by Wesleyan University Press and what it basically does is uh, my favorite part of it is the table of contents and what it basically does is that it organizes the genre of science fiction uh, with different stories and different excerpts uh, from other works um, by in chronological order. So it begins with authors, that, the obvious, the usual suspects like Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, and goes all the way through to uh, Ted Chang, a story which was uh, published as recently as 2008. So it, it doesn't quite have anything from the last decade, and it certainly doesn't include anything from uh, the current decade that we're in. Uh, but it's, it's, it's a reasonable place to start if you're interested in the world of science fiction. Um, it does have a few flaws. Number one, it doesn't include uh, a story. It doesn't include Mary Shelley, which uh, most people tend to believe is, is the true start of the genre of science fiction with Frankenstein. And Mary Shelley wrote other things other than Frankenstein. But, you know, the fact that they included an excerpt from Journeys to the Center of the Earth by Jules Verne. It's the second installment in this book. And that they didn't include an excerpt from Mary Shelley, whether it would have been a piece of Frankenstein or a piece from one of her other novels or one of her short stories. It seems a little bit absurd to me. It also doesn't include a story by Lee Brackett. Now, I, I, for those of you who don't know about Lee Brackett, Lee Brackett is probably best known today as a screenwriter and she's actually the screenwriter who helped to write the script for arguably one of the best science fiction movies ever made the empire strikes back the the movie the film that is often considered to be the best star wars movie of the what are there now 11 and she's not included in this anthology because she was a she was a fiction writer before she became a screenwriter. She became a screenwriter because it was more lucrative, um, and she she authored a lot of really good scripts. Probably the best one, the best, the most notable one uh, that she wrote, aside from *Empire Strikes Back*, is probably *The Big Sleep*, which she co-wrote with William Faulkner. 
the big sleep uh, an adaptation of uh, the, the the novel of the same name by Raymond Chandler featuring the character Philip Marlowe the famous elegant hard-boiled detective fiction character and she's not included in this book what rankles me more is the fact that Edmund Hamilton her husband is included in this book but she's not so the queen of space opera is not included in this book but her husband is okay I see how it is (laughs) but aside from those glaring omissions it's actually quite a good book and um, I know early science fiction is basically a boys club uh, you know, it's, it's largely a boys' club. I mean, a lot of the early stories in this book are written by men. But as time goes on, you get your Kate Wilhelms, you get your Joanna Russes, obviously you get your Ursula K. Le Guin's, um, Octavia Butler, clearly, James Tip, uh, Tripty Jr., uh, who we don't talk about these days very much anymore. Most people don't even still realize that James Tripty Jr. was actually a woman writing under a male pseudonym. Oddly enough, we don't have any Andre Norton in here, I don't think. Uh, let me see. Let me double-check that. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope, but we do have Nancy Crass, Pat Cadigan, uh, you know, Eileen Gunn. So we're, so we're not, we're not, we're, we're not, uh, it, it's not a book that's unfair to either of the sexes. It's just unfortunate that it's, missing those two great people so i'll be reading quite a bit from this book in the future as we go on because there's a lot of stories and a lot of authors in here that i want to introduce you guys to so yeah the wesleyan anthology of science fiction was recommended to me by a friend of mine named erica when she found out that i was a big ray bradbury and harlan ellison fan obviously i've done you know countless episodes featuring their stuff on this show but um, this this is a good starter plan starter pack if you want to get into science fiction you want to introduce yourself to the genre kind of get a feel for it uh what it can do you can't go wrong here it's a brilliant book um the other thing i just wanted to announce very quickly is that i will be taking a temporary hiatus from doing this show uh we're you know we're on episode 10 episode 10 of season 2 that's amazing you people keep listening I don't know why but episode 10 I'm taking a brief hiatus because I'm actually going to go on a vacation I'm actually going to leave my house and go on a vacation um, for the first major time since COVID since COVID hit I'm fully vaccinated I am allowed to do that um Right now, the preliminary plan for it is that uh, me and my family, because it's going to be a family affair, we're going to leave our home here. We're going to travel through the southwestern United States and try to hit as much of, you know, the national parks as we can, because we like that kind of stuff. We love we love seeing the national parks. Hopefully, try to get through um, part of the Grand Canyon, maybe the Petrified Forest, definitely the Painted Desert if we can. Uh, go through Santa Fe, try some green chili, because <laughs> I've never had green chili before, um, and then make our way to uh, Southern Southern California. We've got relatives who live there. Uh, try to do as much freebie stuff as we possibly can in Southern California, which there is very little of because it's Southern fucking California, <laughs> which is why most of the people are now leaving California. <laughs> And then we're going to make our way up the Pacific North Coast Highway up to San Francisco. 
which I've never been to before in my life, so that's the part of the journey that I'm most interested in is San Francisco. We're going to see Yosemite, some sequoia trees. I'm going to see a redwood. Uh, I've never seen a redwood before. And also, I'm just going to enjoy the ambience of San Francisco. It's a great place, San Francisco, with a lot of a lot of things that really resonate with me. It's a great uh, artistic and literary hub. First of all, San Francisco was the place where we were first introduced to the comedy genius of a lot of great comedians that I love. Robin Williams, Patton Oswalt, Paula Poundstone, very briefly Mark Maron. So it's a, it's a great place for that, for, for humor, but it's also a great place for literature. I mean, for Christ's sake, Armistead Maupin writing the Tales of the City books, um, that I think he's concluded for the time being, but who knows? Uh, so that there's that. There's you know the Beat Generation who helped to launch the San Francisco poetry renaissance. If I can, I will buy something from City Lights Bookstore while I am there. And of course, you know, uh, in science fiction. Speaking of that, Robert Silverberg apparently, who is still alive, he's still alive, and I think he's still writing. Um, lives in Oakland. So he's he's right around there, right around in that area, and he's just you know enjoying the fruits of his of his labor. Um, so it's it's a great place. It's a great place. See the Golden Gate Bridge. At least view Alcatraz from the Bay Area. Um, and I'm just going to enjoy the hell out of it. And then we're still debating as to whether or not we're going to try and pass through Portland. Uh, well, not Portland, but pass through Oregon, and then make our way up to Washington, and maybe see the Seattle area. Uh, you know, and what do you do in Seattle? You go there, you go to the first Starbucks, you see the Space Needle, and you get rained on. That's Seattle in a nutshell. <laughs> and then eventually we'll make our way back. So we got two weeks, two week hiatus where I'm doing that. But I figured, you know, since I'm uh, taking this break, uh, don't worry. Uh, I, 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 there will be content that's going up throughout the next two weeks. Um, to begin with, um, I've set it up already. Uh, it's you know, for those of you who were listening last week, you may have uh, seen on Sunday, um, which was Father's Day, incidentally. Uh, I posted a special new little segment called a Four Cent Shot, which is basically a clip from last season. Excuse me. Uh, it's basically just a clip of material from last season. That and I, I just picked a whole bunch that I thought were really fun uh, from last season, and, I, and they'll be posting throughout the week. Because I understand that sometimes you don't want to sit through a whole hour of me rambling. Uh, <laughs> you just want to get to the good bits. So there's there's some new good bits uh, going up there, or some good old bits uh, going up throughout the next two weeks while I'm gone. And then when I'm back, I'll I'll be doing I'll I'll resume regular schedule. You know, so the readers' corner on Wednesday, the weekly waffle on Saturday and we'll just have some fun but in the meantime I thought before I go away because this is actually not the first trip I have taken in our semi post-covid world the first trip I actually took was actually a trip to Memphis Tennessee I took it during Memorial Day weekend and I had a few thoughts which I summarily wrote down because that's what I do I had a few thoughts we were only there for a day but we uh we, we got a good idea of what Memphis is like, and it's definitely a place worth going to again. So, just before I leave you for one last, you know, you know, for this brief hiatus, I thought I would share my thoughts on Memphis. 
uh, and I hope you enjoy it. So stay tuned for that, and I, you know I hope you enjoy the rest of the show because we're going to have some fun. So the relative that we're actually going to go out and hopefully visit is my Uncle James. And my Uncle James is, um, there's this wonderful George Carlin line, uh, which goes, there's always one asshole in the family. Well, if there, if that holds true for my mother's family, Uncle James would be that. And it's something that he himself has actually declared. Uh, he used to be a lawyer. Um, he's at that age where he can retire and he's been able to live out in California pretty comfortably in the intervening years. But uh, there's a family legend that goes that when he was a very young lawyer, he was in a courtroom making an argument, thoroughly trouncing and disseminating and you know decimating his, his opponent. And at the end of it, uh, it, this this thorough verbal uh, clock cleaning that he gave this uh, this fellow lawyer uh, that he sat down at his table and um, the lawyer stood up and said you're an asshole which of course is not something that you typically see in a lot of legal dramas but instead of reacting negatively or going over to punch this guy uh, my uncle James actually stood up and said thank you I've been working on that my whole life so yeah, it's a it's a badge he wears with pride, and uh, I suppose that must be where I get it because otherwise I wouldn't be doing this for a living. Hey Bob, what? Looks like we got another problem. Oh goody, what is it this time? Well. Billy's got some trouble with this new guy down on the recording floor, and he's not entirely sure what he should do about it. Oh, Christ almighty. Well, patch Billy through. Let him explain the whole situation. Okay, hang on a second. Hey, Billy. Hey! Uh, I got Bob here. Can you explain to him what's going down, what's going on down there on the recording floor right now? Oh, yeah, well, there's this new guy who just started work today, and he's kind of, uh, uh, he's occupying everybody's attention with all his rambling, and he's not letting anybody get any work done. What do you mean he's not getting any work done? He's not letting anybody get any work done? Exactly. He's not letting anyone get any work done? No, he's not letting anyone get any work done. Well, I tell you what, Billy, let me talk to him and let me see what's going on. Okay, but I guarantee you it's not going to go anywhere. Here he is. Why, hello, this is Gumfrey QP, Bonnie, reporting in just as I promised I would. How are you doing today, Bob? Uh, I'm doing fine, Gumfrey. Why are you taking up everybody's time and not being able to get anything done down there? Well, I just was trying to get to know everybody down here, and I just wanted to know what's going on, what's what, who's who, where everything is, and just know I can make myself at home right here. 
Well, that's admirable, but at the same time, we have a show that we need to do. Oh, I know, I know. We'll get to the show in just a minute. But I tell you what, you know, your friend Billy over here, he is one of the nicest people I have ever met. And I gotta tell you, where I come from, from Piedmont, Missouri, he is one of... I know some nice people, but nobody compares to this boy Billy over here. He is so good, so nice, been treating me right ever since I got here. I gotta tell you, it, he is just a marvel. See what I mean, Bob? He just won't shut up and won't let everybody work. He just keeps on going and going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Oh, Lord. Well... I suppose there's nothing for it. We're just gonna have to let him talk himself out and get rolling after that. And in the meantime, when we still got a show to do here? Well, obviously, we roll a commercial and let him talk himself out through it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, good, good idea. Sorry, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. Billy, are you okay down there? Uh, Billy's just taking a few minutes away. Let me talk to you, though. What exactly is your name? Uh, wh what do you mean? What exactly is your name? I don't think I ever caught your name, sir. Um, that's not important. We, like I said, we'll be back after these messages, folks. This episode of Four Cents a Podcast is brought to you today by the NALA, the National Association of Limerick Aficionados. At NALA, our members revel in the saucy, suggestive, bawdy, and raunchy world of language. We compose, archive, and celebrate the glory that is the limerick. Join us online at nala.org and sign up for our free weekly newsletter, where you'll receive a new limerick each week, straight to your smartphone or computer. This week's limerick is a real doozy. A good old boy said to his wife, Honey, I think I'm gonna end my life. The world's going bad and it just makes me sad. She said, Well, don't use my good knife. Visit NALA.org for more linguistic fun today. Hi, I'm William Budd. But you can call me Billy. I used to suffer from crippling existential anxiety. I'd fret away my days and worry away my nights, asking all sorts of paralyzing questions. Where do we come from? How did we get here? What's our purpose in the universe? For years, I feared I'd fear my life away. Then I started drinking, and all those questions just vanished after one sip. At that moment, I had an epiphany. I knew what I needed to do with my life. I had to help others like me. So, I started my own brewery and set out to produce the smoothest, lightly hopped pale ale in the world. And I did. I call it Billy Bud's Anti-Existential Ale. One sip of this stuff and all your problems will vanish. A few memories might well go with it because this stuff has quite a kick to it. But don't worry, my anti-existential ale is so good, you'll forget to worry about your memory loss. Are you drowning in anxiety? Well, 
Why not drown out all those worries with Billy Bud's anti-existential ale? Available at all local grocery stores and liquor emporiums right now. So, like I said at the top of the show, um, the, the big trip that I'm going on is actually not the first trip, the first major trip that I've taken since uh, we, we entered into semi-COVID time that we're in now. The first trip was actually down to Memphis. Uh, we were celebrating my brother's birthday. He turned 30 this year uh, over Memorial Day weekend, and he wanted to have a big family get-together. Uh, well, we didn't know this, but it turned out that Memphis, Tennessee is actually only an hour's drive from Jonesboro, Arkansas, which is really good because there's fuck all to do in Jonesboro. So we went ahead and did this day trip largely as a way of testing whether or not all of us still had the patience to sit in a car for an extended period of time and tolerate each other's existence. Because that's the thing about these road trips. We took a lot of road trips when we were growing up. Um, and uh, we, we, we apparently had a great time. I mean, we all look back on them fondly. But the, the thing of it is, is that back in the early 2000s, when we were doing these things, we didn't have all the electronic distractions that we have now. Uh, we had one Game Boy that my brother and I had to share. Uh, so each of us could only, you know, not be bored for that period of time. And we had to go back and forth and we played Pokemon on it and so forth. And uh, at some point, we, we discovered two things. Number one, we discovered um, how to jerry-rig a DVD player into the car with a little television. Eventually, we got one of those portable DVD players. I don't even think they make the damn things anymore. But uh, we learned how to jerry-rig a, a television and a, a DVD player into the car with us. So that way, we could actually watch movies. And we did that, and that usually kept us kind of from killing each other for a fairly long period of time, because that's the whole point of a road trip. A a road trip is really a test of whether or not you love your family enough not to completely massacre all of them. It's a great test to see if there's any sociopaths in your family, Um, because if there are, they will murder you within an hour. Uh, Thankfully, we don't have any sociopaths in our family, which is why we're all still alive. some might say that's a good thing, some might say not. But anyway, we also discovered audiobooks, which were really great. So we would rent a whole bunch of audiobooks from the library. This was back in the days when you actually had library fees. I don't think they have those now, but we would listen to books on tape. We usually didn't try to get the tape ones, because the tape ones were shitty. Because people, what they would do is they would get the copy, they would get the tapes... Uh, from the library, rent it, and then they bootleg them. The thing about bootlegging a tape, though, is that it would completely destroy the original in the, in the copying process. So these assholes were actually doing something horrible. They were, they were destroying a piece of public property that everybody else could potentially enjoy, um, you know, for their own selfish gains. So we, we hated those people. So we switched to CDs as quickly as we possibly could. And we listened to a whole bunch of different books uh, through that means. We listened to 
all of the Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events books. You know, we were in grade school at the time, so this was age appropriate. <clears throat> we listened to all the Harry Potter novels back when it was okay to listen to the Harry Potter novels. We listened to the Lord of the Rings. We listened to a book called The Skull of Truth, which was wonderful. We listened to Dragon Rider by Cornelia Funk, as well as Inkheart. Uh, by that by that same author and the thief lord she's a really good writer um we listened let's see we listened to the entire giver quartet by lois lowry starting with the giver going into gathering blue and then messenger and i don't think the fourth book had been out yet so back then it was just the giver trilogy uh and they're all self-contained stories that have overlapping concepts to them and they all take place kind of in the same general world so it's it really fascinating beautiful books strange books but beautiful books um and we we just we we were able to find a way to do this and then of course getting to the actual places where we were traveling to see again mainly national parks like yellowstone and so forth it it was a it was a great joy with this we didn't have to worry about that cuz it's just an hour drive and if you can't tolerate somebody for an hour then you best either get out of their lives or put them out of their misery because chances are they're going to annoy somebody else who isn't you uh so you <laughs> you you better deal with that so this is um when we got to memphis is really interesting because when we got to memphis i i had been to memphis once back when i was in middle school and we went there specifically to go to a museum on mud island to learn about the history of commerce on the Mississippi River which I think is the river that runs right by Memphis. Um that would make sense cuz it's you know it's it's right there on the western part of Tennessee. But I didn't get to see much else aside from Mud Island in those days. So actually getting to go into the city was fascinating, but we were only there for a day and you can only get a certain amount in in one day. Um but one thing I will say is that Memphis is a, you know I didn't expect to necessarily like Memphis cuz after all Memphis it's in Tennessee which means it's in the south and that means that it's the south and you expect it to be a certain way. Not Memphis. Memphis really colorful. As a matter of fact when we were there, we were there just in time to see the pre-pride pride parade. <laughs> that's that's what I called it anyway, the pre-pride pride parade because I mean didn't have any no big uh pride parade floats wasn't a lot of people actually marching through it it was really just a whole bunch of people driving around in their cars with pride flags and rainbow streamers and saying happy pride it was it was may 30th the day that this was happening so it's not even pride month yet but it happened uh and it was nice and you know nobody threw stones at them which is always a good sign <laughs> and you know cuz cities you know even Memphis even though it's in the south it's still a fairly liberal city because cities on the whole tend to be fairly liberal compared to small towns uh but from there we just kind of wandered around we ended up in a parking lot right by the Orpheum Theater which i think um Gabriel Iglesias was scheduled to to appear at in the near future um but we just we wandered from place to place trying to get a look at this uh look at this beautiful city and you know these are the highlights These are the highlights. So you're about to listen to the highlights. This is travel log from uh travel log 2021 Memphis, Tennessee. And I hope you enjoy it.
For the first time since COVID began, my family and I took a trip. We traveled initially to Jonesboro, Arkansas to visit my brother. He was celebrating his 30th birthday this weekend, and let me tell you, he looks it. What we didn't know when we moved him down to Jonesboro last summer was that just one hour away was Memphis, Tennessee. So, it being my brother's birthday weekend, he decided that we should do a day trip to Memphis. It is, of course, impossible to take in a whole city in one day, but we managed to see a few things that certainly mark out Memphis as a locale worth a return trip. The first place we visited was somewhere my brother had been wanting to go since he'd been to Memphis the first time, mainly out of hipsterish ironic curiosity. The Bass Pro Shop Pyramid. Yes, this is a real thing. Nestled near the riverfront of the city is a giant metal pyramid, which at present houses the good old boys Disneyland. The Bass Pro Shop Indoor-Outdoor Experience. Basically, it's the ultimate one-stop outdoorsman shopping mall and duck hunting museum. Of course, when we saw the structure, my initial thought was, what pharaoh is buried within that monolith? My guess, Pharaoh Bubba I. Like pharaohs of old, surrounding him are all his treasures, his rifle, his fishing pole, the stuffed remains of his favorite hunting hound, etc. I also imagine that his coffin was lined with his favorite fabric, camo. I also noted that the pyramid was missing a major business opportunity. Considering how much surface it had on its outside and how reflected that surface was, they could easily install hundreds if not thousands of solar panels that could quickly pay for themselves and save the owners major money on electricity. But of course this is Tennessee and good old boys don't believe in solar power. Next on the list at my mother's request was a place she really wanted to see, the National Civil Rights Museum. For those of you who don't remember or don't know exactly how Memphis connects to civil rights, it's the city where three major events took place. First, it was the place where the sanitation workers strike took place. This was where a largely African-American workforce of the city sanitation works went on strike following the deaths of two of its members. This gave rise to the famed I Am A Man march. The second major event was that this is where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the great apostle of peace, as I believe it was Walter Cronkite who christened him as such, gave the last great speech of his life, the, th the famed mountaintop speech, where he famously said, I have been to the promised land, I have seen, been to the mountaintop, I may not get there with you, dot dot dot. You know, it, it's probably one of the greatest speeches he ever, ever gave. Um, and unfortunately, one of the most precedent, because third and finally, Memphis was also the place where Dr. King's life abruptly ended when he was only 39 years old. While staying at the Lorraine Motel, which is where the Civil Rights Museum actually is housed, the outer shell of the building has been perfectly preserved to reflect what it would have looked like in the 1960s and on the day when Martin Luther King died. 
um, the assassin's bullet took his life far too soon. I, of course, have a great deal of admiration for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and I was truly standing in awe there in the place where this great hero of mine once was. MLK might not have been a perfect person, as a lot of recent depictions of him in fiction and in movies have shown him to be, but he did stand for something and stood for something important. And even in the place where his life ended, it's important to memorialize his legacy. And it's thoroughly memorialized at this wonderful museum. Incidentally, my father actually felt sorry for the poor owners of the Lorraine Motel, having have such a horrible event transpire on their property was bad enough, but then he said, I bet their business went downhill from there. Leave it to my father to find the wry comment about the entire situation. Unfortunately, we didn't actually get to see the inside of the museum, we only got to see the outside of it, because at the time, they were still very much observing a lot of COVID precautions, and so they were only letting in a certain number of people, about 30 a batch, into the museum, and then you had to wait out there in the hot sun, again, this is the south in the summer, before you could go in. And the group that was already in the museum had been there since about 3 o'clock, and by the time we got there, it was about 4.30. So, we're not waiting around for that. But it's definitely something that we would try to do very early in the morning, should we do a return trip in the near future. After that, we ended up walking down around Beale Street. Specifically seeing the, you know, the signs of people, you know, beginning to put up uh, to celebrate Pride Month, which was only a few days away at the, that point. You know, this was Memorial Day weekend, after all. And we also went ahead and visited, partly for the air conditioning, but partly for this particular odd novelty, a place called the Peabody Hotel. Now, what exactly makes a hotel worth visiting? Did something exceptional happen there? Was it visited once by a famous person who died inside of it? Is it owned by friends of ours? No. The reason one should visit the Peabody Motel is for the lobby ducks, of course. Some hotels have aquariums, some hotels have bird cages full of finches, some have koi ponds, but not the Peabody Hotel. The Peabody has a fountain in which it keeps mallard ducks, live mallard ducks, every day at 11 a.m. The hotel's duck master, yes, they have an official title, marches them into the lobby fountain, and then every day at 5 p.m., it marches them out of the fountain, up to their room to wherever they live. Sadly, we didn't get to see either, but we did get to make the ducks' acquaintances. They're quite friendly. For waterfowl, they are indeed quite sociable, but they are not very good conversationalists. Then again, that's understandable, considering all they do all day is splash around in a fountain and then leave. After all that, we ended up dining at a place called Central Barbecue, the best barbecue joint in the entire city. Now, I know that some of the people listening to this may not be into barbecue. They may, in fact, be vegans or vegetarians. And I have to tell you, 
Your lifestyle sucks because you cannot understand the glory that is Tennessee, Memphis, Tennessee barbecue because it was delicious. I, of course, would try to show you photos, but this is a podcast and I don't do food selfies. Uh, Besides, (laughs) the food didn't last long enough for me to take pictures even if I had been inclined to do so. But I do have to say this. Central Barbecue that day was super, super busy. Ridiculously busy. At the time, the COVID restrictions in Tennessee had finally lifted that weekend, so everyone was out, about, and having fun. I do have to also say that Central Barbecue was the place where the single most horrifying thing in my life actually occurred. Going to and from the self-service drink dispenser. I can't count how many times I nearly need some poor kid in the face, but I never did. So even after a year out of practice of dining out, some of those skills of dodging and weaving around were still intact, and that's good to know. At one point, I actually had to go all the way to the drink dispenser with a tray full of drinks. Now, I have never been a waiter or I've never been a wait person, ever in my life. I've never worked in that side of food service, mainly because it seems very stressful and you don't get paid very much. But while I was there, of course, at one point I had to go get the drinks for everyone at the table. So, you know, the whole family plus our friend and who was there and they just piled them on. And I had to navigate my way through this crowd of people, most of whom were shorter than me, because I'm not super tall, but I'm also not short, but navigate through this crowd while carrying these drinks on this very slippery tray, very slippery tray. So I go, I fill them up one at a time, just one at a time, trying desperately not to look embarrassed as I'm doing it, and trying to keep them all balanced on this tray without dropping it or getting knocked you know, against it, so that way I don't end up spilling it on somebody and get sued. But thankfully, I made my way back with the tray completely intact, all the drinks unspilt. (laughs) So maybe I could have made a good waiter, I don't know. But I don't want to try. Like I said before, though, it's impossible to take in a whole city in one day. But the little bit that we did see definitely made me decide that Memphis is certainly a place worth a repeat visit. Who knows, maybe the next time we'll actually get to see the Peabody Ducks march to and from the lobby. The first version of this piece that I just finished reading to you actually appeared on my blog, and I wrote it in the car coming back from Memphis because we went there on that Sunday Uh, and I have to tell you it proved yet again that um, I don't really like writing on my phone I really don't like writing on my phone because I had to open up the app the blogger app and I just had to type away with two with my two thumbs Uh, and it was just oof god I do not recommend doing that Avoid it if you possibly can. Do, you know, do your writing on something else. But I had to do it because I had nothing else available to me. But I will say, in a tight spot, writing on your phone is a very useful thing to be able to do. 
thank goodness for modern technology, at least for that reason. In the meantime, I do hope you guys enjoyed that, and I do hope you enjoy the rest of June that lays ahead of you, and I will see you in July. I will see you then, and we will continue right here on Four Cents a Podcast, so stay tuned. Hey, funny people. Thanks for spending some time with me here on Four Cents a Podcast. Until next we meet, stay safe, stay healthy, and bear in mind the words of the great poet Langston Hughes, Folks, birthing is hard, and dying is mean. So get yourself a little lovin' in between. I'll see you next time. <laughs>